You know, I, I've been seeing a lot on Twitter today about Pixar sodas. Um, it's a big movie coming out this week. Everyone's talking about it. I've seen a lot. There's some like the drama, the the joy. You know, people are excited for it. The fans are excited. I know there's some people out there trying to cause a stir about what may or may not have happened on set. But I think on this show, we want to just celebrate what we all love about Pixar, the music, the dancing. You know, obviously there's a great number of uh, musical performances in this film. There's an original musical number at the end. And I just thought we could celebrate that today and maybe listen to an exclusive clip of the of the picture, you know? They say animation is poetry in motion. Mm-hmm. And they say people narrating animation over a podcast is poetry in audio. That's right. And I think this is both. You know, it's crazy that everyone's talking about Pixar Soda so much because as it happens, you have a cameo in it as Rockstar Energy. That's right. Um, and it's just kind of crazy to me how many guests who've been on this show in the past happen to be in Pixar Soda's. Like, it really feels like, uh, you know, a big moment where our little corner of the world seems to have gotten recognized by Hollywood A-listers. And some of our friends, in fact, have become Hollywood A-listers in the process of making this film, you know? Yeah, in a way, it is our last waltz. Yeah, that's right. Bringing all our friends out on stage. You know, that's come up a lot. Martin Scorsese wrote a great piece about Robbie Robertson and how they used to hang out and listen to music together. And it seems like it would have been cool to hang out with them. But they got all their friends, Van Morrison and Dr. John and all these guys, and they brought them out to the Winterland Ballroom for one last hurrah. And it was amazing. And I feel that you've done that with sodas. I think that's pretty much exactly our intention. And, you know, especially doing this original song for sodas, it was like I was going through my Rolodex of Grammy winners who either they've been asking to collab or vice versa, you know, people who are looking for a project and we just haven't found that right project. And I was thinking who can deliver not just a Grammy, but perhaps Oscar gold for this one. And, you know, Nate Roos came to mind, friend of the show. Obviously, he's been on here many times. And I thought, he's got what I need to take this song, not just to the Grammys, but to the Oscars. That would be something new for him, too. And I think he's really excited about that. Yeah, he's always talking about wanting to move to Hollywood and be a Hollywood star. Mm-hmm. He's it's still chasing weird. that EGOT, you know? He's going for the we got actually. He wants that Webby as well. Yeah, every time we talk to Nate, he's saying, guys, you got to help me become more famous. Yeah, he's very vain. He wants to get on the news. He's very like goal-oriented about um, kind of superficial industry benchmarks that he can hit. Yeah, absolutely. He keeps saying, if I don't get on the news soon, I'm going to have to do something drastic. Yeah, that'll get him on the news. You know, that's one surefire way to get on there, but we hope it doesn't happen that way. We hope yeah, it happens we need to get him a star students. on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, or at least the Canadian one. If we could get him in there fraudulently. I learned recently that the Canadian Walk of Fame, they don't maintain it at all. <laughs> I didn't know So that. it's all chipped off and fucked up. They've got all the usual people on there, like who you would expect, like Gordon Lightfoot and uh, Drake is on there, I know. The Weeknd is on there. Um, I checked for Wolf Parade and they're not on there yet, but the Arkells oh are on there. The Arkells are on like there? I feel like they could get on there. Oh, come on. Yeah. If the Arkells like, are on not? there, Wolf Parade should be on there, you know? Arcade Fire should be on there. Let's look at the list of inductees. Of course, there's a bunch of fucking hockey players all over there. 
April Wine is on there. Yeah, I guess you can be anyone. Yeah, <laughs> they're not picky up there. They need people because all their good people just moved to America. So they need somebody, you know. Are there hockey players on there? Yeah, that's, that was like one of the first things that came up. But now I reorganized it alphabetically by category so I can look at the musicians here. Uh, Nelly Furtado is on there. Five-time yeah, Juno winner, Nelly Furtado. It's majority entertainment people, but there are... Yeah. I would say it's about a quarter athletes. Shania Twain, obviously the band. Randy Bachman, Arkells. Yeah, the Arkells is just crazy. Why are they on there? Nickelback. Ooh, Lauren Michaels is on there. I forgot he was Canadian. Martin Short's on there. Someone should write a think piece about that, how he shouldn't be on there. Yeah. Someone should go over there and kick it. Ooh, Wayne Gretzky. Rush is on there. That's good. You know who's going to be on here? Uh, whether or not we get Nate on here, you know who is going to be on here soon is Raina Duras for her uh, groundbreaking role as Pepsi in Pixar Sodas. Yeah. Anything she talks on, it sounds professional. Yep. And this movie had a $75 million budget, so that's about as professional as it comes, you know? She's pure radio. And now a Hollywood A-lister. That's right. Let's see. Where's the A-list? Yeah. Hollywood A-list. There should be a real official A-list. That, like, that would be like Donald Trump's ideal job is like regulating who becomes a B-list celeb at any given time. They don't even have a list. Yeah. Pathetic. Like a literal cast system. Mm-hmm. You turn it into a real thing where if you get bumped to the bottom, D or F or Z, if you want to expand it that far, you become untouchable. It's like relegation in soccer. <laughs> Where you That's what like they're trying to do to up. Russell Brand. They're trying to make him a Z-lister. Yeah. You know, he auditioned um, for the role of Coke in Pixar Sodas, but he just didn't make the cut. And that was before all these allegations came out. You know, it, just, it was just like a quality of his performance kind of thing. Yeah, he wasn't able to play the soda. He just played himself. Yeah, he wasn't very compelling as Coke, you know? I think that um, casting future Hollywood A-lister Felix Biederman was just... A, a smarter play, a younger talent. He's hungry in this industry. Also a friend of the show, coincidentally, one of the first guests on this show. And it's just crazy to see him. He went all the way from Fortune Kit to Pixar Sodas. Like that is a, quite the come up, you know? Yeah, he beat out Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Johnny came in, he auditioned. He didn't Johnny like it. Johnny Depp, uh, he talked about doing the song for Pixar Sodas too, but he just wanted to go in a different direction. It was just kind of you know, a little bit of some hokey kind of 70s rock stuff. And I was like, no, I need Nate Roos to take this. We need a modern pop production here, you know? Yeah, the and deal was, uh, Johnny, we're only going to take you if we can get Jeff Beck as well. We love yeah, that album right. with you and Jeff Beck. We feel that you and Jeff have an amazing chemistry together, but you got to get Jeff in on it. And then someone came over and whispered into our ear and said, bah, 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 bah. and then our eyes got all big. And then we and said, then we Johnny, like, you got to get out of here. We were like, oh, I guess he has a schedule. He has the ultimate scheduling conflict. Yeah. He's busy in that band in heaven. Yeah, that's right. He's uh, he's the guitarist if Jimi Hendrix dies. He's like the stand-in guitarist. The singer from O-Town or whichever boy band had a guy die in the last year. I don't remember anymore. Um, I don't know. I, I know the guy from LFO died. Oh, that was it. Maybe yeah, two LFO. of them. I forget because all those bands are the same to me. But yes, the LFO singer, Jeff Beck on guitar, Chester Bennington's probably started learning drums up there. He can hop on drums. Yeah, he you used know, to be the drummer of Linkin Park, and then they automated it with drum machines. Yeah. Just to piss and him then, off. Then he tried to be the DJ. 
They had to, it'd be funny to end up as the front man after failing out of every other role in the band. Well, I guess I'll just be the front man. I think that happens a lot. I guess when that happened from a with the Ramones. Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> but you know what? We've been talking about Pixar sodas and some of this original music in the film. There's also an amazing soundtrack. I mean, we were lucky to uh, have the permission of bands like the Beatles and sync all these big name artists who have songs that reference Coca-Cola or soda in them. Um, Savage garden, for example, there's just like an all-star soundtrack, but maybe I haven't heard these yet. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, maybe we should jump into one of our exclusives here though. We have a short clip of the song, the original song, All the Bubbles in the World. This is uh, NBA Stupid Ass's rap verse on the song where he's kind of using the form of hip hop to discuss some of the characters and events that happened in the film. Maybe we want to hear this like 30 second preview here. Maybe we do. In the Regal Cinemas, the first time that I drank a soda Now I mix Pepsi with the Henny and the weed aroma My life a movie, so I'm eating popcorn every day You better listen to these sodas, they got lots to say Sometimes I feel like Dr. Pepper, what does it mean? Sometimes I feel like Pepsi, gotta live my dreams Pixar didn't come to play when the plot unfurled Now I'm drinking all the bubbles in the world So... As wow, I like that familiar. Pixar gets name dropped in the lyrics. Yeah. They don't usually do that. <laughs> well, you know, like people, once they get familiar with the film, they'll kind of know that it reflects the personalities of some of those sodas that were mentioned. You know, Pepsi just has all these big dreams and NBA stupid ass can like relate to that, you know, as a fellow musician. And Dr. Pepper is kind of more existential and always wondering what it means to be a soda and sometimes, like, when you're in your feelings, you know, even human beings um, tend to feel that way sometimes. So it kind of turns out that, like, uh, even though sodas seem so different from us, and they're like a beverage um, with an aluminum can, and we're, like, sentient human beings, like, there's actually so much we have in common, like, our feelings and thoughts and stuff. And that verse was just trying to capture some of those, like, complex emotions, you know? Dr. Pepper has a lot going on internally. Mm-hmm. 23 flavors in one bottle, one can. That's a lot of flavors for one soda to have to kind of come to grips with. Many sodas get by on just a single flavor, actually. Do those ones have simpler personalities, would you say? I would argue that's the case, you know? Some of these, for instance, Diet Mountain Dew, I think he's just sort of more of a uh, straightforward, you know, he likes to go to the gym, he's a bit of a meathead. But he's ultimately, he's a good guy. You know, he's kind of like Tommy Lee or something we discuss on this program. You know, he's kind of a golden retriever, but there's nothing wrong with that. Now, is there alcohol in this movie? There is. Um, so when when the sodas go to the, one of the bad neighborhoods in the Circle K, um, they are accosted by, for example, the cigarette, the beer, the lotto scratcher. Um, and they have a little bit of an encounter with these more seedy characters. I think a um, friend of this show, Tom, actually got cast as the beer. And I think he did a good job bringing out sort of maybe the darker side of that personality. What can happen perhaps if you drink too much, you know? Hmm. I think when you guys write the follow-up movie Scratchers, the spinoff, mm-hmm. you should have it be about how they realize that they have predestination. They're really predestined because they don't know if they're winners or losers. 
Yeah, that's a good call. They could be the million dollar ticket. They could be the winner, but they have no idea. That is they just a have to act like they're the winner. Interesting ontological puzzle when it comes to being a scratcher. You can't yeah. scratch yourself, you know, so you're not going to find out. Like it's been predetermined, but you have no way of knowing. Yeah, that's the thing. It's right on you. It's right in front of you. It's like you have a scab that you can't pick off, but right under the scab, it tells you whether you're going to heaven or not. Yeah, absolutely. That would be so frustrating. I think the Scratchers movie is sort of like a waiting for Godot thing where they never actually get scratched and they're just sort of pontificating about it and humorous, vaguely humorous, but not really things keep happening. Just absurdist bullshit, you know? Yeah, maybe an egotistical Scratcher he accidentally gets scratched in some sort of freak accident, and then he realizes, yeah. or maybe he gets the void thing scratched off. Ooh. Or, or no, what happens is he he scratches off the regular parts by accident, and then he fa- he finds out that he's a winner, but then accidentally scratches off the void thing too, or he looks down Ooh, and realizes the void is scratched yeah. off. Yeah, but conversely, it all meant nothing. It would be interesting to to see an egotistical scratcher who. He gets scratched and it turns out he's never been a winner all along and everything he believed about himself turns out not to be true. But if he believed it for his whole life and he lived his life that way, then what difference did it make, you know? Yeah. And community has to come together. Maybe the bad neighborhood in the Circle K isn't so bad after all. Maybe they do have values as a community. Oh, yes. And I think that um, in the Scratchers movie, at the end, the main character would get scratched and it turns out he's worth like $10 million. And then the guy who scratches it off decides he's going to share all his winnings with all the scratchers who live there. Maybe in the movie Beers, the beers can have an ontological dilemma about whether people really want to drink them or it's just chemical dependency. Yeah. <laughs> As a beer, do, like it depends on the beer's personality. Do you love me for me or do you love me for the ethanol? Yeah, some people might like, some beers um, might actually prefer that. It's kind of like a... Uh, a deeper bond, but then some other beers probably want to be at a lively college party, you know, takes all kinds. Yeah. The ones with the more elaborate labels, they would be kind of hipsters, I think. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, maybe they have an indie rock band. Um, I think that the, the beers who enjoy, well, I guess malt liquors would be in this too, because it's going to be like, you know, King Cobra and like, oe and stuff that's like they like that kind of dependency whereas like bush light really likes being at a tailgate you know yeah they like being the life of the party and it's kind of a meta commentary on alcohol yeah because it's it's hard to tell when you're drunk do people really like me am i being the life of the party or am i being annoying and vice versa with other people i suspect that if beers the movie got greenlit we would probably learn as viewers that beers are just like us. They like to party. They like to get fucked up and go crazy. And they have emotions. Their emotions are actually supercharged because they're drunk all the time. Um, they really actually, it's pretty much the same as being a human being who's drunk. They get all the into time. a lot of fights, oh, a lot of broken yeah. bottles when they come in in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Smashing each other up. I would say that most objects are just like us. Pretty much. When we were talking about the scratchers too, I really relate to that. Those kind of existential dilemmas. It, when you, yeah, when you examine any inanimate object for long enough, it turns out that it's a perfect reflection of humanity. Yeah, it's weird how that works. I'm writing a script for atoms. 
<laughs> and it's about atoms and they bump into each other and form molecules and stuff. And it's about how each one of them has their own personality. Wow. And how, well, they might be individuals. They're strongest when they come together as a community and create <laughs> some sort of amoeba. And then the sequel is uh, splitting the atom. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, what's happening? No. We, we no, the, it's Oppenheimer. We can make the Big Bang movie. If we make the Big Bang movie, maybe people accidentally see it because they think it's the Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. I see right now. So I almost never drink soda, but um, I have some RC Cola from when I ordered pizza like a month ago. And RC Cola uh, played in the film by Julian Field, friend of the show, in fact. And I think he did such a convincing job portraying RC Cola that as I drink this, I I can't help but feel that I am destroying Julian's life force in some way, you know? And that he wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, that is the problem with assigning human characteristics to inanimate objects is that you see inanimate objects all around you and then you don't want to do anything to them because each one of them has a soul. Yeah. It's sort of like animism. Yeah, don't believe you should drink a soda. Yeah, I'm a vegan plus soda. Yeah. <laughs> because Dude, of a after, movie I saw. Yeah, after making Pixar sodas, I can't drink soda anymore because it just seems like cannibalism almost. Like, it's just cruel. But what would the sodas say about that? Well, I don't know how much I want to spoil because this is, um, it's discussed at length in the film, whether getting drank is a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Is it like it. dying in war? Yeah. Essentially like, uh. In primitive societies, it's like good, but you're also afraid of it. Yeah. I think, um, Dr. Pepper has a line questioning whether it's like, uh, sort of like a glorious kamikaze death or some kind of fulfillment of like a jihad or something like that, you know? Do you live forever if there are dregs in the bottom of the can? I don't know. See, that's... Is that like having start, a, only a brain stem? <laughs> when you start You're just breathing but not conscious? Yeah. When you give uh, human characteristics to a 12-ounce aluminum can of soda, there's a lot of existential questions that get increasingly absurd to try to answer. But it's important to confront these questions, you know? Yeah, it's really not any it's dumber than cars. Yeah, exactly. Cars is one of the worst concepts of all so time. Fucking because you know, it's, it's in so like sodas is in that world, humans exist, right? Yeah. Yeah, human society exists, but in cars, there are no humans. They're just cars. But why are there cars? Why is there <laughs> Route 66? Why is any of that shit there? How did they get metal? How do you birth a thing out of metal? How did they figure out how to mine stuff? Yeah, what did the while, car society um, look like in 1800? Did anything <laughs> exist? Did it just spontaneously start to exist? Yeah, in the last hundred years. Like, the concept for that one makes so little sense. Oh, it's only gotten worse, though. Anything like, I else, like, atoms would make more sense. Yeah, 100%, dude. Like, I haven't seen any of the recent Pixar films, obviously, but uh, me and Branson especially looked a lot on, like, the Wikipedias for things like Elemental and Inside Out. And Elemental in particular gets so outrageously abstract that it's just fucking nonsense of like, it's like this fire elemental is attracted to a water elemental. And there's, it seems like there should at least be like a basic RPG kind of like super effectivity there or something, right? Like they like work normal jobs as like insurance salespeople or something. Like it just sounds like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> they should make Obsidian like in Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see the Emoji movie? No. I saw that in theaters with my wife. <laughs> How was it? 
just as a bit. It was about as good as Inside Out or one of those movies. It was yeah. basically a carbon copy of one of those, but with the emojis. And there's a phone, and they exist in every phone, I think. And they all have personalities, and they have to go to work. And there's a poop emoji, a, a, a humanized poop emoji. God. And I forget what even happens in it. That actually but runs into the same. Made, if that can be made, this can be made. Exactly. That that runs into the same conceptual problem as Pixar sodas. Of is there one poop emoji who's on everyone's phone, or are there millions of poop emojis who are distinct individual beings? You know, like is there one Coke, or are there millions of Cokes? You know. Yeah. If every individual can of Coke that's identical in every way, from the can down to the formula to the amount put in there by the machine. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Just some they should fucking all have automaton. the same experience. I think we handled that the only way you can handle it, but people have to see. How about film when the cans are in a six pack? Are the ones in the middle more unlucky because they don't get to see outside as much? Are they like yeah. the middle per- the middle person in the human centipede? <laughs> there are so many questions unanswered. Yeah, I guess it's like being siblings in a six-pack probably. It's like having the corner office, maybe. Yeah, totally. At least you got one window. When you're in the middle of the six-pack, you still got one window out. You're not totally like, you know, it's not going to get too claustrophobic. Yeah, you can always spin yourself around, I assume. Yeah. Being in a fridge pack, that would kind of suck, though. Oh, yeah, you're just That is the most convenient way to buy soda, but it's dark in there. It's kind of like in the wire... In season two, I think, and on the dockyard when the women come in the storage oh, the shipping container crate. and they're dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that would be the subjective experience <laughs> of the sodas in a fridge I, pack. I think it's inhumane to put sodas in a fridge pack. I only drink free range soda. I open it the second I get it home. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta at them. least pop the cap on it. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've been talking about the film and we listened to an exclusive clip of the original song. Feature, uh, you know, with a, a crew of people who have won multiple Grammys in the past. Um, but now, what if we listen to a whole scene from the film? This one has sort of a musical angle as well, as you expect from a, a Pixar movie. There's lots going on with dancing and music, etc. cetera. Uh, in this scene, the heroes encounter three Fagos, three different flavors of Fago, who are sort of some hip-hop style juggalo sodas. And, well... You'll see what happens. As the sodas narrowly dodge the BB gun pellets, they find themselves surrounded by a posse of three menacing Fago sodas emerging from the booth. Red Pop, Rockin' Rye, and Moon Mist. They've all got clown makeup painted on their bottles and hatchet man tattoos below their labels. Whoop whoop, y'all sodas look lost. You done stepped into the dark carnival, fam. You here to see the great Malenko? That's, that's friend think, of the Moon show, Mist? Cameron Fetter. Y'all look like you oh, yeah, just playing the role of rock and rye. Because y'all look mad scared right now. Whoop whoop. Y'all look is that Caleb like as well? That's, still that's got Caleb a as well. Uh, and friend we of the show, Patrick. Trouble, guys. We're just oh, looking wow. for our friend. friend. The full trifecta. What's that? Much motherfucking wicked clown love to all my juggalos, but I don't mess with this friend nonsense. <laughs> this vernacular will be familiar to anyone who like is this? down with the clown. Oh, you're not down with the clown? I'm Moon Miss. This here's Red Pop and Rock and Rye. We're Fago. You know, juggalos. Correction, y'all are juggalos? I'm a Zuggalo. That's a big fan of Zug Island. Like a juggalo, but for Zug. 
Right, right, yeah. I'm also a big fan of Infamous Superstars Incorporated. It's a gang consisting of Jamie Madrox, Monoxide Child, Blaze, and others. Honestly, fam, I don't even listen to ICP that much anymore. Whatever. Anyway, y'all ninjas are some brand name sodas. Sodas around here is gonna think you're some Juggahos and Juffalos. A Juggaho or Juffalo is someone that acts like they're down with the clown. But really, I hate Juffalos, man. Right? Look, we're, wow, this we're is a big break for Juggalos in a kids movie like this, a Pixar movie. <laughs> yes. I don't think they ever, uh, they ever dream that they would have this kind of mainstream exposure. And especially one that their own movies. It's so accurate. Like we did so much research to really get the vernacular down. You know. Look here, Coke. I never seen Pepsi at the dark carnival. You. This is what representation looks like. Try looking at Fright This is what they're like. You ever been? It's Twisted's version of Wicked. Yo, what's up with this Pepsi chick? Is she single? Or to does be she come truly in realistic, there would have to be yeah, a way for them yeah. to have mini yeah, sodas so. and then leave them that in a hot car. For <laughs> and the heat <laughs> makes right. them explode. This isn't just any girl. <laughs> or they get shaken up. I'm not a trash compactor, <laughs> but I've got a crush on this soda. She makes me feel tingly inside. Oh, it's friend of the show Felix and Biederman. Not because of my caffeine. This girl is just a 10. She's a 12. Ouncer. Whoop, whoop. Sounds like you're showing much clown love for this juggalette. Yo, that other soda has a <coughs> Dr. Pepper? Is she a girl? Uh, yeah. What up, Basically, I can't even eat a juggalette. I, I, I know these are I know this real dirty ice cube. We would be down to have a three-way. And I'm a Navy SEAL. All right, all right. What an ensemble that is. I know, it's incredible. Identical. I can't believe this many Hollywood A-listers got together in one place to bring this kind of magic to life on the silver screen. Get a girl. To do what? We're sodas. What are you going to do together? Like, be descriptive. We don't reproduce, do we? We we might reproduce. I guess I don't know. Like, do we get married? That's also a friend that of the show thing? Zola Jesus right there. I'm just not sure oh, what wow. you want to do with me. From Guitar Rig 6. Things about That's right. The life of sodas that seem Check out her presets. Kind of abstract and hard to imagine when you really try to think about it in a concrete way. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We thought a lot about it just now. So you want to do yep. it? <laughs> What's it? Those are Basically, tough questions. What I had in mind is that you would follow me around wearing a huge hoodie and you would tell me that my friends don't like you and I would be like, of course they like you. Tell you guys what, I'll, I'll make you a deal. If you guys promise to stop talking to me, I'll come back here tomorrow and we can do whatever it is you think sodas do to each other when they like each other. How about that? Ma'am, I can't really express myself with words. That's why I use raps instead, like hip hop. All I'm asking is that you watch as I change and mutate into a freak show, Twisted Serial Killer Juggalo. So do you all mind if I spit for a fine, highly carbonated ninja? Drinking a hundred sodas, drinking fifty more sodas. I'm with my all my bro, all my brothers, all my brothers and sisters, drinking out of a different mixer. It might be hard to believe, but this freestyle right here was straight off the dome. I got sixty. Caleb's just that incredible of a performer. Yeah, I love when As Caleb raps. raps rock it and always gets me. Pop start wrestling and casually calling each other racial slurs. So that was a world exclusive right there. Wow, that's truly tremendous. There yeah, was I a think... viral tweet a couple months ago, I remember, where the caption was, I know she be running that footlocker like it's the Navy. 
And it was this woman with really long fake nails, and she used two monster cans to open each other and then poured them <laughs> into a big bottle with ice in it. That rocks. And I figured that is what sex is for cans. Yeah. <laughs> Use the tabs to pop each other off. I think that, like, you know, we don't want to spoil too much from the film, but that kind of comes up. Like, they try to figure out what it is exactly, but I don't think the sodas themselves are quite sure, you know? Well, I guess if you're still at the store, you're kind of a kid, in a way. Yeah, it depends on how long you've been there, like what your shelf life is, you know? It's like still being in school. I feel like being purchased is sort of a coming of age thing. Yeah, that is like one of those like real pivotal moments in a soda's life. There's no question about that. Yeah, it's like being a debutante at the ball. Yeah. <laughs> when the customer comes in, who who is he going to pick? Who's Mr. Darcy going to pick to pop open? I guess the big moments in a soda's life are the day that you're bottled, the day that you're purchased, and the day that you're drank. I mean, those are the big ones. Yeah. The day that you're put up in your display. Yeah. Imagine like being the soda who gets put in the front on day one. Like you're the first soda out there in the front of the fridge at the Circle K. Like it's just such, I don't know. I can't even imagine what that feeling would be like. Like the excitement of being like right there in front of the customer. Yeah. It would be like being on TV. Yeah. And it would feel incredible. That's something sort of I wouldn't be able deserved. to keep in all the carbonation. Oh, no way. I'd, I'd, I'd pop my top. But, you know, like sodas, we think we drink them so much, um, but we don't really think about their experiences. So it's kind of interesting to challenge people to, like, try to see the world through their eyes or whatever, or their can or whatever. Would you say that some of the sodas have bubblier personalities? I would argue that that is almost certainly true. I think that perhaps Pepsi is kind of an effervescent and bubbly soda um, with big dreams. Uh, you know, I can't spoil what those dreams entail exactly, but it's pretty big dreams for a soda. And it's just kind of crazy to watch that arc progress throughout the film. And other sodas just have no dreams, you know, they just want to hang out with their friends and uh, have an adventure, which I guess is a dream of, of its own, you know, but who is the easiest soda to work with? Would you say? I think Coke, cause he's just so classic. Like, you know, exactly what you're getting into. Um, he's pretty like even keel level-headed, obviously Felix friend of the show. He did a great job portraying that kind of iconic leading man type of role. Um, and it's just like, I'm glad that Hollywood finally gave a podcaster a chance to sort of join the A-list. And like we were getting at earlier with the scratchers and everything, there's so many opportunities for franchises, for, you know, sequels, for spinoffs. Um, I know people on Discord, they were already demanding Moxie, the movie, since Moxie, unfortunately, did not make the cut in this film. That's um, okay. I'll give you the pass as a New yeah. England guy. Yeah, exactly. My great-grandpa just... loved Moxie. It's okay. It kind of tastes like medicine. Like, it's not horrible, but I'm never going to go out of my way to buy it. Yeah, when I visited, like, New Hampshire and Maine, I had it in a cocktail, but that's the only time I've ever had it. Yeah, it would work well for that. It's kind of like Jägermeister, I guess. It's got so many weird kind of medicinal flavors in it. Yeah, exactly. I just think for such a big budget movie like this, we didn't want to get too regional. I think that we wanted some representation in there, and that's why you get some Juggalos, because it's kind of like they needed to their voices heard. But Moxie, that might be like, you know, the 15th or 16th movie in the series. That might be the Moxie movie. It would have to be Mark Wahlberg. Oh, sure. Yeah. 
or maybe Matt Damon. You know, um, Sprite Zero appears in the film played by Nate Roos, who we discussed earlier, a friend of the show. But Sprite does not appear. And I'm just saying there's a door open for Drake if he ever wants to portray Sprite. I know he's had lyrics of his emblazoned on select Sprite bottles. So I just think that might be a cool collab. I know he's reached out about it, but his scheduling just didn't work. But maybe someday. Perhaps the original Sprite was uh, photographed in a compromising position with lean. That's right. He was in a cup with lean. There are some references to that in the film. It's just kind of for the adults, you know? Sometimes, you know how these Pixar movies are. There's got to be something for the adults because they're sitting through this fucking thing in the fucking theater and they're like, fucking kill me. And then someone makes a reference to like weed or lean and it's like, oh, I get that reference. Now I'm happy. Now I'm having fun. Well, soda is sort of an adult drink, would you say? Yeah, because children really shouldn't be having that much sugar, right? Like, it's kind of a sometimes drink for them. For As an adult, you can drink as much as you want. No one could stop you. So in that sense, it's more of an adult drink. I think I didn't start drinking soda regularly until I was maybe 13 or so, when I could get my own money and stuff. Yeah. Because my parents wouldn't bring home a bunch of soda. We would maybe get it if we went to a restaurant. But uh, as an adult, I drink way more soda, way more Coke Zero and Dr. Pepper Zero and all that good stuff. Well, this is going to get me absolutely lambasted in the press as the writer and director of Pixar Sodas, but basically at no point in my life have I ever been a big soda drinker. And the only reason I have this RC Cola is because it came free with a pizza. And otherwise, I don't know the last time I bought a soda, like 10 plus years, you know, like maybe I've like drank one. If like Andrew or Branson or someone like gives me one because they bought a bunch, I'll drink it. But in terms of actually buying one myself, easily, I bet it's been like 10 years. Wow. You don't just have it in the house? I think that's like my only good habit is not drinking soda. Because then otherwise I'm like, I'm going to eat pizza. I'm going to drink beer. That's your only good habit? That's my only good habit. Your only good habit? Yeah. You don't brush your teeth? No, (laughs) never. (laughs) I guess I'm talking about consumption. You know, when it comes to food and drinks, it's like, I'm going to eat crazy food. I'm going to drink beers. But then soda's like, I'll pass on that. Really? It's the only thing I got going for me, you know? And if this fucking movie causes me to start drinking soda, but like like I was saying earlier, I don't think I can drink soda anymore. Now that I like understand the complexity of these soda's personalities and their dreams, their hopes, their fears, I just think it's, it's crazy to drink soda when you know that about it. Maybe that's how you destroy all vice in society, once and for all. You <laughs> like make the scratcher movie, you make the beer movie, and everybody's <laughs> going to say, oh, I don't want to kill this beer. I don't want to kill this scratcher. The crack movie. The crack movie. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, boy. The poppers movie. <laughs> the poppers movie. It takes place in... um like the 90s at some shop where they clean VHS tapes. Yeah, and they find out that's the plot. They find out why all these guys are coming in and buying it. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a minute, you didn't buy a VCR here. You never buy tapes. It's our top selling item. Yep. It's crazy that poppers outlived uh, VHS tapes and all kinds of technology. That's true. What did they sell those as when they were doing them in Studio 54? That's a good question. They didn't have VCRs yet, I wonder. Vinyl record cleaner. Oh yeah, vinyl record cleaner. Bell-bottom cleaner. You do need those because they drag on the floor, they get mud. Yeah. So I was thinking about the couriers for some reason. I think it was because we were doing so many John Acapinti covers. 
Yeah. The, the and then Drake I started stuff. listening to the Couriers and I listened to some of their album tracks that were actually surprisingly good. They yeah, were very funny. orchestrated, very frenetic and orchestral. I kind of forget, even though we've listened to them a long time ago, I forget just how much John Acapinti wants to be them, but can't be them. Like they have that kind of corny, ultra major key melodic sensibility and like three part harmonies, but they at least pull it off with like normal instrumentation and stuff. Um, and, and it is really funny to see just how directly he's trying to be them and just failing in every way. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to recreate it and it's so far off. But I put Drake's voice over it instead. So I love this song, unironically. What a happy time that's sure to be when my Jesus is coming after me. I hear him call. I'm surprised Drake hasn't done a Christian album, you know, after Kanye did it. Yeah. Well, he's Jewish. He should do a Jewish oh, album. Oh, right. that'd be amazing. Yeah, good Has call. a rapper done that yet, other than Modest Yahoo? Yeah, that would be so sick. And get get a Modest Yahoo feature on one track. That would be awesome. Have a shofar as a sample. I love this kind of arrangement. The lyrics are about wanting to die. <laughs> it makes it so much better than when it's a slow song. Yeah. Ooh, the vocal was doing so good until now. Now it's getting all fucked yeah. up. It struggles so much with the three-part harmonies. It doesn't know which uh, one yeah. to pick. And then you've also got Big Dave who sang bass, and it has to fiddle with the octave on that. Totally. But it is interesting to create a new melody out of the harmony, bouncing yeah. back and forth between the voices. going through puberty right there yeah it's like degrassi drake i would love to have been invited to drake's bar mitzvah that would have been awesome That moment is so good. <laughs> really At searching the end, it for says, the pitch what a lucky there. guy by accident. It's weird. That's funny. doesn't say that on the original. But I do love how when the song crescendos, the AI eats it the most. Yeah, totally. It's really, it's like natural comedy right there. Yeah, it's great. And it's also like, uh, um, lyrically, it it's actually kind of makes me long it makes me long for Acapinti because I love that he sings songs about these guys like I wish they were just singing about some other artists they like you know instead they just sing about fucking Jesus all the time and dying to go to heaven yeah Jesus is sort of the artist that they all sing about that's true yeah in the same way that uh Trade Martin did that song about Waylon and Cash and stuff uh basically for the couriers Jesus is their Johnny Cash you know yeah John Acapinti and Trade Martin should really hook up Oh, God, that would be a dream collab, you know, dream blunt rotation, too. I don't know of two guys who have a more similar aesthetic and auditory sensibility. Yeah. Their ears are fucked up in the exact same way. They have the same EQ roll off on the highs. You know, a contemporary of theirs that they should hook up with, too. I, like, we don't need to listen to this on here, but we listened to that new Rolling Stones single. And I think they should link up with the Rolling Stones because those vocals are heavily processed on that song. 
I don't think Mick Jagger can cut it anymore, you know? Yeah, there's a new Rolling Stones song called Angry, which is just, it's really nothing. It's one of those riffs where you go from the the one to the four over and over, like yeah, a standard Rolling just, Stones riff. And it's If you were doing a Rolling Stones parody, you would do that riff. Yeah. I just don't get the point of it. Most the of the vocals, video is old clips of them. That's uh yeah. I think it's AI that makes them mouth the lyrics, but it's old it's like billboards on a road in Las Vegas. And I don't know. Like, is it profitable to do that? Do they have to do that contractually? Yeah, no clue. And I think like they're also down half of the band now. So it's Bill Wyman yeah. has been gone since the nineties. Then Charlie Watts is gone. So it's just Mick and Keith. And both of them are heavily processed. And I don't know how much Keith is really playing because yeah, no I, I think the, the session guitarists and the touring guitarists are doing a lot of it. And I certainly think that vocal, of, though, it just sounds awful. Like, because the rest of it is just a Rolling Stone song that sounds exactly like a Rolling Stone song. And the vocal just sounds so like digitally processed that it's just kind of like annoying. <laughs> yeah, there isn't enough of a melody that the melody matters. Yeah. So it's just kind of him vamping and riffing and stuff. And, it's, uh, I don't know. There's just not enough there. The other thing we listened to was on uh, Justin Timberlake's Instagram. He posted this thing where NSYNC got the band back together in the studio and they made one song. And the whole thing is just, actually, okay, to be fair, the NSYNC song is better than the Rolling Stone song, but it is just really cookie cutter too. And in the video, they're just being like, if we're going to do this song after 20 years, it has to be a love letter to the fans. It's so funny when bands do that. <laughs> Didn't they do that already? Yes, Maybe it was the Backstreet Boys. Done, but like, come on, man. It's the so Backstreet Boys though. had a song like that that was a thank you to the fans. And it's so obvious that someone tells them to do that. But it seems yeah, like it's so it seems whack. like such an archaic thing now. Like Lou Pearlman has been dead for years, right? I think. I, just I honestly don't know. Oh, he might be in jail. He definitely went to prison. He died in 2016. But okay. he, yeah, he died in federal custody. Man, his mugshot looks so bad. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he just—he looks like a pedophile. You can just tell. <laughs> God, but uh, yeah, that seems like a move he would have suggested. But to do that now is kind of weird. But I found uh, this interesting because it's—it's it's bringing these guys back together who wouldn't really want to work together. Yeah, totally. They were—they were put together by someone, by a manager who was trying to molest all of them, and I guess they like each other. But it's kind of a commercial decision to make this song and then it sounds exactly like the songs by the Jonas Brothers or Maroon 5 that have come out in the past three or four years yeah it's like a perfectly serviceable pop song there's like nothing wrong with it but there's just nothing distinctive about it either yeah it's fine it's just that highly processed disco sound yeah but there isn't enough of a song to it it's it's too cookie cutter like it doesn't have the bells and whistles that you would find in a Dua Lipa song or a, a like "Say So" by Doja Cat. That's what yeah. it sounds a lot like. But it's funny too. I don't know. And they're the also video. doing the falsetto. All of them are doing the Adam Levine voice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of weird because it doesn't really sound like NSYNC. It's so nondescript and anonymous. But it's if like, I what heard it on the radio, I would like? assume it was the Jonas Brothers. It's a band that hasn't existed in twenty years. So what do they sound like? They just sounded like the generic big thing of their time but 20 years yeah. later what does that sound like now either they do the exact same like throwback thing or they just sound like a very generic pop artist you know yeah not that much is the there. question uh, but it the video be... is funny because they all look so different from each other now after those years apart where it's like lance bass looks like ninja but then some of the guys are just like super overweight and don't look very good <laughs> yeah lance bass truly does look like ninja now he's super skinny 
He's probably on Ozempic and he has blue hair. And Justin Timberlake looks exactly the same. Yeah. Um, I forget who the other guy is. Yeah, I couldn't tell him apart. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but one of those guys. Let me look up their names. Joey Fatone. Joey Fatone looks pretty old. He looks like a a 46 year old, which makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. You forget that they're all 46. Yeah. They should have just had NSYNC, all the non Justin Timberlake NSYNC guys sing that new Rolling Stones song. It would have been better than. Then both, uh, it'd be stronger than the sum of its parts, you know? That would be a funny collab to do. It would be <laughs> like a Lou so Reed Metallica that thing. No one asked for, yeah. Yeah, that's funny when artists do that, when they try to like pass the torch on to a younger artist but miss the buck completely. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? You want to get back to this other um, Courier song with Drake AI? Oh, yeah, this one's good too. This is another song about wanting to go to heaven so you can meet Jesus. Just wanting to die ASAP. And Big Dave is the only one who's died. They probably uh, resent him for it because they wish they died first. They're so jealous. But you can't kill yourself. That's an exploit. Yeah. Anti-G will pick it up. You can't go to heaven. You could tell God's smart because he thought of all the loopholes and he said, nah, you got to go down there. <laughs> this one's a little more rough right off the bat. He says, I'll join them whores. <laughs> I think the original is horses. I forget what it even is. Horses? Do horses go to heaven? I hope not. Yeah, that'd be disgusting. They do, I don't want what's horses the point? walking around shitting all over. That's like cars what the city go to streets heaven. were in the 1800s. It was I'd shit rather see everywhere. Lightning McQueen in heaven from, from Pixar's Cars. Yeah. I hope that Coke and Pepsi go to heaven when they get drank. Only one of them can, I think. Yeah, they don't serve Pepsi in heaven. It's going to be so good to be in heaven. Dude, I can't wait. In heaven, every day is casual Friday. And there's pizza for lunch in the break room every day. I wonder if cans who don't have a bottle deposit are jealous of the ones that do. Like if they're destined for different states. (laughs) I love having like a really small-minded, or like not small-minded, but like a very like modest expectations of heaven. Like, damn, do you think you could have pizza every day there? Every day and you never get heartburn? Unlimited soda and yeah, it's not bad for you. That'd be so fun. I do love the way they talk about it. Like it's rock and roll fantasy camp for the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) Like you get to meet David and you get get to to hang out with Jonah. What was it like being in the whale? And then the whale shows up. Well, I can tell you that. (laughs) Wait a minute. They're up there. Yep. I think whales probably go to heaven. Dolphins Whales definitely do. Dolphins are so fucking smart, dude. Not the ones who rape. That's true. There's some they're in hell, to hell too. They're swimming. They know through what the they're lava. doing. That's why they're in hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're just yeah, they burning at all doing. times. Burning like swimming through magma, just <laughs> searing their flesh at all times. They know what they did. Yep. What about a chimp who throws his feces at a superior human being? Hmm. I think a smoking chimp definitely should go to heaven for bringing so much joy to humanity, but a 
feces throwing chimp. Eh. What if he does both? Well, purgatory. Purgatory. Yeah. There was another weird story that came up where Jan Wenner, the founder of Rolling Stone, out of completely nowhere, said, um, what did he say? He put out this book called The Masters, which is interviews, which I guess he did in the past, I assume, because it has ones with Jerry Garcia, so it can't be too recent. Uh, But it's Bob Dylan, John Lennon, Bruce Springsteen, Bono, and there isn't a woman or a person of color on it. Yeah, this is Boomer boomer crack right here this is boomer yeah. soda right here yeah boomer soda and it's so it's so weird someone asked him in an interview uh why no similarly famous female or black rockers such as janice joplin or stevie wonder made the cut yeah he hung himself with his own rope here and then he said that none of them were as articulate enough on this intellectual Such level. An insane word to use. And then the interviewer gave him a chance to walk that back of like, maybe you didn't express that right. And then he just doubled down. <laughs> yeah. It's not that they're inarticulate. Although, go to, go have a deep conversation with Grace Slick or Janis Joplin. Please be my guest. He's saying that when, when Jerry Garcia is one of his subjects of like, this guy's also dead. Well, Grace Slick is alive. Oh, okay. I didn't. I it guess doesn't I make sense what he's then. saying. Like, yeah. I don't even get it. Yeah, I don't get like, it either. You then. could have a conversation with Grace Slick. She is like eighty-seven. She was like remarkably old when she started, but you you could go talk to her. And Janis Joplin, I like. I don't get that. Like, I guess in the two years when she was famous, she yeah. was drunk all the time. But that's. No one was asking you to interview Janis Joplin. The interviewer comes up with a much better example of like, you know, you could talk to Joni Mitchell, uh, who obviously is someone with a lot of interesting ideas about how guitar is played and how like she has like a lot of super interesting ideas. And he was like, you know, in my mind, she was not a philosopher of rock and roll. She didn't meet that test. Not by her work, not by the other interviews she did. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why dude? would you say that, even if you don't like her music that much? And then the the interviewer just brings up other top tier artists like Curtis Mayfield, Marvin Gaye, et cetera, and he just shoots them all down. It's like, you even if you wanted to write a book about seven white guys, you could easily be like, I know that in retrospect, it's not like the way you do it, but I did these interviews 40 years ago, and I think they you know, uh, our reflection of like seventies Rolling Stone, you could try to say something like that, but just by like shutting down all these other artists, it's such a weird way to handle it. Yeah. He goes into it later and says, maybe I'm old fashioned and I don't give a fuck or whatever. I wish in retrospect, I could have interviewed Marvin Gaye. Maybe he, maybe he'd have been the guy, maybe Otis Redding had he lived would have been the guy. So why even say that? Yeah. Well, I say the other thing first, like Curtis Mayfield was not articulate enough. Yeah, that's such a wild thing to say, man. Yeah, like he says two sentences earlier, may- maybe Marvin Gaye, I mean, they just didn't articulate at that level. It's so weird. Also, and I don't like, get why you couldn't just interview someone newer. I have a very hard time believing that Mick Jagger is that articulate. <laughs> yeah, most like, of those, those guys are not are that articulate. are more articulate than Mick Jagger. Yeah, it's so insane, man. Yeah, like Bruce Springsteen and John Lennon and definitely Bono. Like, who the fuck wants to hear from Bono? Yeah, hell no. Who gives also, a Also, Bono's fuck? not, like, articulate about, like, music, like, philosophically or something. Like, he's just not that interesting of a musician, really. No, he's not that smart of a guy. He's not really... No. I don't think he really writes the songs. He writes the lyrics. But yeah, have... but I, I don't think Jan Wenner knows that much about this stuff either. No, I don't think he no, really cares not. that much about the philosophy of rock and roll. He's not a musician and he's not even really like a music writer, right? He did like, some writing, but he's more of just like a businessman, right? Yeah, he's a guy who hangs out with famous guys. Yeah. And has money. A leech. 
That's about it. It's like the Bruce Springsteen Obama podcast where Obama yeah. just wants to be the guy who hangs out with Bruce Springsteen, which is what John Wenner used to be. And I don't think Bruce Springsteen is that interesting personally. No, hell no. And also, how come you get to be like the blue collar working class guy, but also be an articulate philosopher of rock and roll? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like some hoity-toity college boy stuff to me. Although that when you like describe Bruce it that way, is maybe college rock. That's no different though than being like Woody Guthrie or something, I guess, when you put it that way. Yeah, there's no one who's authentic of anything. Yeah. Like just by virtue of wanting that much attention, by the time you get that much attention, there's no way that you're normal, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you're in a feedback loop where you respond positively to the stuff that people like, you make yeah. more of it, and then you're getting farther and farther away from what you actually thought originally. Yeah, the point you a classic to make. trajectory. You're giving been... people what they want, which is the inertia that goes along with it, and that's fine. Yeah. Dude, NSYNC sold out when they reunited. They had so much integrity as a boy band. Yeah, that's true. It's not like Justin Timberlake ever would have done a full-length song out of a McDonald's jingle. No, he wouldn't do something tacky like that. There was another thing I was looking into right before we started recording. The Lauren Boebert Beetlejuice thing. Oh, yeah. Where she was uh, getting groped by a guy who she dumped the day that we're recording this, I guess, for being a Democrat. <laughs> and she was also caught vaping. And I was looking into it. I looked and found that the Beetlejuice musical on that day, September 10th, was at 7.30. And at 7.20 is when she was vaping. And at 9.10, during the song, uh, I believe it's called What I Know Now, is when she was escorted out of the building. And I That's was trying to figure to out- me. She lasted yeah, that long. She lasted way longer than I would have thought. Like She was vaping before it started when the lights were still on, on the audience. And it took that long, but I guess she was singing or something or stomping her feet. <laughs> so and then they funny. looked later, the, the story about her getting her boob groped and stuff, that came out two days later when they looked at the security footage, but I could not find a timestamp on any of yeah, it. Yeah, it's such a shame. I want to like relive that evening song by song, minute by minute, but... Yeah, I wanted to like know which evidence. song in the Beetlejuice musical made them horny. Yeah, so we could resync up the audio with the video. And what were they listening to where they got they got all randy and wanted to grab each other? That's amazing that she made it a full hundred minutes from the start of the program. Yeah, almost like, two hours. And it's only two hours, 14 minutes. I, I found oh, the geez, full length of it by looking up a... It. It's like a Korean cam rip of it. Yeah. <laughs> the cast recording is only 57 minutes, but that's abbreviated. So you have to find the full thing. And it's two hours, 14 minutes. So she made it almost the whole way through. And honestly... If you want to get ahead of traffic, leaving 10 minutes early, not a bad not idea. Bad. Yeah. You can watch the Korean cam rip when you get home and see how it ended. Exactly. If you really care. Well, everyone's seen the movie anyway. That's the thing. It kind of sucks. Unless you really want to hear the final the song. Movie. Is it? I don't think that movie's over two hours, is it? I wonder. There might also be an encore or something. I don't know. Uh, 92 minutes. So yeah, I guess it is longer. Wow. I just think it's so cool. It's cool that she was boorish in every way that you can be. Like just stomping and singing annoyingly and groping this guy and, and vaping. It's so cool to just hit every single box, you know? Yeah, being a public menace and going yeah. to that at all is so funny. It's awesome. Like, why were they into that? Why did he ask her to go to that? Or was it her idea? You have to respect it. And also... As a local representative, I think you want to be out in the community, right? So it's great for her to be not only 
sort of superficially in the community, but making a scene within the community and bringing people together around her. One thing I would have liked to have seen is the cast of Beetlejuice stopping the show and then saying that Lauren Boebert doesn't represent the values of Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that what happened with Mike Pence at Hamilton? Oh, probably. I didn't know that. That's so where funny. They, I damn. feel like that happened where it was uh, Ugh. maybe after the election. I mean, it's such old hat now and you wrote about it back in the day, but that era is so annoying. It had some unscripted lines for Pence. So God. yeah, they made something... They made some statement about diversity and stuff and said, or, or no, uh, the actor who played Vice President Aaron Burr acknowledged that Mr. Pence was in the audience, thanked him for attending and added, we hope you will hear us out and said something about, we, sir, are the diverse America, American values, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I wish they would have done that with Beetlejuice because yeah, Beetlejuice absolutely. does not stand for grabbing someone's boob. Beetlejuice does not stand for vaping. He does not nope. stand for singing, stomping, clapping, none of it. Beetlejuice is about sitting still and paying rapt attention. That's right. And also diversity. Yeah. (laughs) He will haunt anyone. He doesn't care if they're black or purple or whatever. You know, Jan Wenner should have put Beetlejuice in his book. That would have been a great interview. Yeah. Interview Michael Keaton in character. That would be such a better book to interview people in character or like interview Dana Carvey doing his different characters. A serious coffee uh, table book. He should add Forgiato Blow to his book as well. Kind of something for the younger generation. He would be more insightful than Bono, I think. <laughs> I on think 2023 so. America. Probably you know, equally way, self-aware. The fact that, um, you know, Forgiato Blow is, is Trump's nephew. I guess Springsteen is kind of like Obama's uncle. That's true. And Obama, like Bruce Springsteen, was born in the USA. Fuck you, Mr. Trump. Yep. Yeah, excuse me, Mussolini. Trump. You're uh, stopping like the, you know, college football game that he's at to be like, excuse me, like the, the college, you know, this 19 year old quarterback comes out, excuse me, Mr. Trump, the values that you stand for are not what the University of Alabama stands for. Ole Miss doesn't stand for racism, sir. Yeah, sir. I know that at this Florida game, we're wearing orange on our jersey, but we don't need another orange Cheeto in the White House by any stretch of the imagination, sir. If anything, you should be wearing an orange jumpsuit in a prison. One of this nation's many great prison establishments. We love our nation's prisons. And we, we need do. to get we more soda them, machines in there. Best in the world. Yep, that's right. I hope, you know, we're working on a deal for Pixar Sodas to get screened in prisons and uh, for mandatory attendance, kind of like a Johnny Cash, Cash concert, you know? In the meantime, though, everyone needs to check out Pixar Sodas. It's out Thursday. Lots of friends of the show on there. Lots of big names. Multiple Grammy winning. Or more, well, the cast has won two Grammys. I think that's what we can say. How many cast members are there? Uh, Close to 30, I would say. High, high 20s, maybe. I don't remember exactly, but it's an all-star cast. Let's say 28. I'm thinking Each cast that... member has 0.07 of a Grammy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... We're going to see a lot more awards come award season, but it's going to take everyone getting out there and listening to the film. And if we could really, get up to 0.1 per person, that would be huge. Yeah, that would be incredible. I don't care how we have to do it either. If we need to cheat or buy it or what. Yeah, just steal someone else's music at a Grammy. There's nothing wrong with that. No shame in that. No shame in plagiarism. And there's no shame in intellectual property theft either, as everyone will see when Pixar Sodas drops. On Thursday. That's right, 921. We can fail. We thank the heart for a day.